0: My name is Rimi. I'm Veronica. And I'm Umair. Welcome back to Oats for Breakfast.
1: We're going to continue the discussion we've been having about Jagmeet Singh and the NDP.
0: Where did we leave off last time? It's a good question.
2: I think we were talking about Jagmeet's politicization around the issue of discrimination against sick people in India
0: and around specifically 1984 yeah. or the events of 1984. And his... You know, the idea of how he's, his definition of what a genocide is and how he's, you know, that was a, sort of the project they were engaged mm-hmm. in, right? trying to get this to recognize a genocide. So one of the things
2: we were talking about last time was the representative from India coming, right, Kamal Nath, he mm-hmm. came in, 19, in, in 2010. And this was one of the things that Jagmeet and his brother and a few other people organized against. And then the other thing that happened the same year is that a couple of, liberal MPs in the federal parliament brought forward a petition to have the events of 1984 recognized as an organized campaign of genocide. And actually, the the Liberal Party officially, Mm -hmm. and then Michael Ignatieff, the leader of the the party at the time, took a stand against this petition. And he released a statement to say that the Liberal Party quote, Will never stand with those who seek to polarize communities or aggravate the tensions around long-standing conflicts that divide us in other lands.
0: I think there's like a interesting follow-up to this. So how he pivots this towards when you talk about like where where the politics going, right? How he 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 frames this as this moment where the the Sikh community is shocked by this. They're outraged. Oh, I but, have right? that. I
2: have that. You do. Okay. You, uh, so you do have this after right? the controversy. Yeah.
0: So he says, after the controversy caused by the Liberal Party's official position, many six felt betrayed. Right. But given their historical connection to the party, they didn't know where else to turn. They didn't feel as though there were any other options. And so, and then he goes on, the only ones who you know, supported it were, you know, the NDP and stuff. But this is how he frames mm. this kind of moment of yes, the, lead up. the, the, the yeah. Bringing himself and other six to there's another option, another party, right? And so there I think there's two things there. It's, one is this idea that, you know, for a lot of just immigrant people in general, the Liberal Party has been seen as like the home mm-hmm. of these communities, right? Because um, Trudeau the father led yeah. us to yeah. which is, yeah. Um, I mean, and actually like, so like, a lot of among the the Sikh population though, especially those ones that came here earlier, they did have a lot more roots and like more like working class kind of socialist um, actors. So a lot of them have have seen historically as the NDP more of as their home. But overall, the liberals always do the best. Has done the best among in- immigrant populations. But the way he frames this is as if like this was this moment where, like the community, like I don't really remember this being this this scumil not situation being this moment where that many people really cared. And this is like this is why we can't be liberals anymore. Like he's framing once again, like seems to be framing this as this like this this uh, big foundational moment where I'm not sure if if like. I, well, I mean, I don't I, like. I know for a lot of people, it's not the people don't even know about this uh, specific uh, situation, and maybe for him, it was this uh, moment where he felt like he couldn't be a liberal, which is also maybe interesting. But then it was, you know, now the the sick community is this, you know, now the NDP has become an option for them, right? This is like this cleavage.
2: But I think you're exactly right. I think that he uses the sick community as a stand-in for himself.
1: Yeah, yeah,
2: and like. This is this guy is basically what he's saying is is if the Ontario Liberals had rescinded the invitation to Kamal Nath, and if Ignatiev hadn't stood so stridently against this petition, he would have been a liberal
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
2: like thats yeah. his, those are his
1: politics yeah. <laughs> I do think it is kind of a a narrative slate of hand where he's using he, he's fabricating this outrage to more represent. And connect him with a community that's turning away instead of his own decision to turn away from the Liberal Party.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like, there's plenty of despite him being the leader of the NDP. There's plenty of sick people who still.
0: Uh, I mean, I like, don't think it vote. had it showed yeah. any. Yeah. I don't. I just don't think they'd or had they're, that. Or
2: they're they pulling the sick community. Yeah, right? yeah, like mm. that.
0: That's not like because a lot of a, them, a,
2: yeah, a lot of them vote Liberal. A lot of
0: them still vote Conservative, of course. Of course, okay, yeah. So and uh, it, it seems to be like just this one both overemphasizing this, the importance of this to the community in general, and also this idea of what the community is, right? It's, it's once again, treating it as like this kind of like monolithic, like whatever kind of his, his small group, maybe mm-hmm. they were outraged, but these are people who are activists within this particular uh, political sort of project. But he uses that as his like, this is the first mention of like the NDP or mm-hmm. politics, right? So this is where he uses this as like this pivot and you know, maybe part of this is also him now trying to speak to this committee as as you know, part of the idea is, oh, like you don't have to be you don't have to vote to like other sick people. like you don't have to vote for the liberal Party. like there is another option. you know, that's that's the NDP. like Horvath and Leighton were the only ones who stood with us to support this um this motion.
2: The other thing that's, I mean, we did raise the issue of him being a like the sick person to lead this federal. Party, and this is this being sort of uh, seen as a historic thing. I do think we should chat about that a little bit. Like there, there has been a lot of hoopla around the fact that he is a turban-wearing Sikh, like very visibly, someone who's very different from you know what one might think of when one thinks of a Canadian, right?
1: I so. do remember rhetoric around the time of the NDP leadership election that was very hopeful that this would be kind of like a symbolic change for the NDP. Um, For Canada, the idea that you would have the party leadership as a person of color, as someone from a religious minority. Um, I saw a lot of people who are more kind of integrated into NDP electoral politics getting very um, excited about it, though I don't know if that excitement has been sustained. It really doesn't seem to be from what I've noticed, as prevalent anymore, even in terms of people who are still very supportive of the NDP, I just don't think that that was kind of a sustained hope. It kind of dissipated a little bit, I think, especially during the, the period, especially in the summer before the federal election, where we weren't seeing a lot coming from the NDP leadership in terms of producing a platform or policies. So it kind of just disappeared. I don't really hear people talking much about it at least not like they used to be when he was first elected as the party leader.
0: And, and I like and I think this like when Jagmi Singh was first elected as leader and even in the, in the lead up to it like this whole thing that went into it before there was a lot of focus on him as a, a person. And that was basically how they thought that they should go about doing politics is that you need this brand this person you know he's like um, you know his the fact that he is a Uh, coming from a minority group this is sort of this um as like a a proxy to like progressiveness he's young he's articulate you know he he combines maybe elements of like an obama and a trudeau at the same time you know we need one we need the ndp for a lot of people like they we need someone like that uh as well right like someone who can who can participate in this kind of uh politics and i think that like kind of shows the the kind of approach to politics that uh, the NDP has been uh, pursuing now for a while. And I think early on, you know, there was maybe a little bit of hype around him, but maybe that's just the the politics have changed uh, since then. Like by, by the time this summer came around, no one is, you know, if you remember, like, let's say like five years ago before when he was still a MPP. And people were talking about his potential as a you know future leader in Canadian politics. There was this talk about his you know his tailored suits and all this kind of stuff, right? And that was it was like it was a time of Trudeau and Obama was still around. This was a, a different time. But by the time you get to this summer, everyone's like that's you know that's from 2015 yeah. like, or or eight or you know 12. Now, but you know p- people who are popular now in among the left, you know it's like Bernie Sanders and Corbyn and AOC and all these people, right? So it just seems like the the kinds of entire brand or this thing that they were tra- project that, that they were trying to pursue with Jagmeet Singh just like the, the the situation and the political situation just completely passed them by, and so going up to this election they were trying to in some ways then have to like try to play catch up like he started to like focus even less on his um his the, these individual traits and then they did started trying to like talk about um you know like pharma care and all all this kind of stuff right but it was he seems he's like um, like a relic from, you know, I think in some ways politically from 5, 10, 15 years ago.
2: Yeah, though I don't know that. Yeah, it's just like how much um, mileage does that have, right? I, I, after a while, it's like, okay, well, yeah, he is the first, you know, visible minority of this kind to be the leader of a federal party in Canada. And yeah, it's kind of like it's supposed to have been sort of our Obama moment. I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I felt, you know, when I was, watching the entire NDP race and all of this, like it was just so sad because it's like we are in the the post-Obama era. We already went through this, guys. Like all of us, everyone who was a progressive, I'm sure we all were there when, or maybe you guys were more politically developed than I was in 2008. Yeah, we were,
0: you know, I don't know about you, but you, you know.
2: <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it was like, oh, it was like, okay, this black guy becomes a president of the United States and knowing the history of, of uh, the united states and 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 how black people have have endured in that country it was like okay there's something to that but then the veil very quickly sort of lifted yeah. and it was like okay mm-hmm.
0: this is not you know yeah. but there is still something significant that you can say like at the time about like a black guy being present like even mm-hmm. outside of his horrible politics or whatever but
2: yeah and like uh, this this and yeah. this yeah. was like a continuation and what is like adolf Reed say like you know Obama's just like a Clinton dipped in chocolate right uh, and then the next in line of course in 2016 the whole thing was around oh now we got to get a woman and yeah. this was Hillary Clinton's entire campaign yeah yeah so we have to
0: arrive at a place that says this is not progressive but I mean I think that I think we kind of have arrived at that place in terms of among a lot of like the the population and even among let's say maybe like the left, um, certain elements of the left at least, but the people who are still clinging onto this are the people who are in like the, the leadership of the of the NDP and like the, it's like professional political class. you know, like they're like, I feel like this kind of politics is one that they're still mm-hmm. um, sticking to. And actually, and it's not sticking now. Look at even yeah. with Bernie Sanders, you know, Elizabeth Warren tried her best and I want that, it bounced right yeah. off it, him and it it's, made- It's in its death right? yeah like it's, And yeah. the
1: people clinging to it look absolutely absurd. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. And yeah, it's. I feel like people are growing so distant from it, and no one's really falling for it anymore.
0: And like the, I think the and the NDP still seems to be stuck mm-hmm. in these in these like older politics. And not only are they stuck in them, but they're they're hostile to you know the kinds of politics that we've seen in you know in other progressive like like the Corbyn faction in in the UK or in Labor and um, the Sanders factions in in the US. Right? Like they are seem explicitly. Hostile to that, and they want a, a jagmeet, right? Um, we were talking earlier about how you know he doesn't have you know, kind of making fun of his activist creds. Um, and, you know, we were saying that as like a point of criticism, but, you know, uh, for the NDP, that was probably a, a strength, right? Mm-hmm. Like they want people, like when they are doing their recruiting, like as we saw, he was recruited, kind of courted. They want someone who doesn't seem to be have, have, you know, any sort of controversial activist moments or, um, you know, if he had had a single a single pro-Palestine tweet, he, put, he would have been, Rejected from even being a candidate, right? Like so, so the fact that he actually wasn't involved in politics for them is a is a bonus. You know, they can just slot him in as this kind of, you know, mostly kind of empty slate politician. But he's progressive because he's uh, he's young, he's brown, he's hip. So that that's what makes him progressive, mm-hmm. as opposed to, you know, let's say someone else who's actually been participating in in a lot of um, like grassroots uh, politics.
1: I think even Jagmeet's focus on like the suits and the style. I also feel like that's from a decade ago. Yeah, and yeah. people don't care if they're politicians wearing like a coordinated suit set. It looks hollow and it looks like, okay, you you dress nicely. But I want someone who actually has the policies and is less focused on this complete visual kind of obscuring. And someone who actually cares about making working people's lives better. And I still feel like the NDP is very much stuck in that visual yeah. and I think the focus in his book on like clothing choices that he makes, almost unaware, He, I, I don't think he's totally aware of it, but it kind of represents the way that he's stuck in the past Yeah, in that sense. Yeah,
0: and I think in like, you know, maybe, let's say if you go about, you know, in 2010 or something, or even before, the, the idea was that how you go about being a successful politician means emulating these facts, like, these kinds of approaches that are coming from, you know, marketing and all, all the, you know, like this is, like that is how politics is done, like, like the marketing model of politics. And this was seen as how you become a successful politician. Like you have to be suave and or, or in, in all these kinds of things. And this is the idea of also how you appeal, appeal to young people, right? Like this is what the young people like. They like, you know, that he's riding on his bike and he's, you know, he's cool. But, you know, it shows you kind of how out of touch these people are with actual young people, because young people are flocking to 78 year old uh, Bernie yeah. Sanders and like Jeremy Corbett who who is, you know, she's like an angry mm-hmm.
1: kind Who's of like probably guy. probably been well. wearing the same pair of corduroy pants yeah. for like twenty years. Right. And
0: like and, like that's who the young people are are actually in, in real life, that that's who they're um getting behind. But these the people who are in these parties, they're they're completely removed from that. They either don't recognize that or they're just explicitly hostile to it for their own for their own uh, reasons.
2: Yeah. I mean, I hope you guys are right in terms of what you say about, well, that we are past this, you know, the first, this type of person to achieve this type of goal thing. I mean, I feel like there is parts of the progressive left and certainly parts of like the establishment media that still that see that as some kind of sign of progress. And I just like, when I see that, like, okay, some South Asian guy becomes the mayor of London, but he doesn't like Corbin, so fuck
0: him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, yeah actually, he's a uh, horrible. Uh, uh,
2: yeah. I just feel like we're we're still. It's like we when we sort of even talk about this stuff, we have to give a caveat, right? Like, well, it's still a good thing, right? That Jugmeet, being the kind of person he is, made it onto this platform, became the leader. It's like okay, we have to give this caveat, and then it's like, yeah. Now let me critique him, and like I just want to give like a. A different kind of an example of what what it could be like so like i was watching like i think years ago i was watching an interview that uh ali the the british uh, marxist was giving on al jazeera and the interviewer brought up the fact that Tariq ali had was the first south asian to become you know head of the oxford union in 1965 what a you know a momentous occasion that must have been, and Tariq Ali's like, yeah, we didn't really care about
0: that stuff back then,
2: <laughs> and then they moved on, yeah, yeah. yeah, and it's like, oh, okay, well, how refreshing.
0: Yeah. Maybe in nineteen sixty, mm-hmm. they weren't that they weren't that up to date on their race uh, politics. Or really, I mean, this is in the
2: midst of like the <laughs> yeah. the Oxford Union inviting Malcolm X to come talk, yeah, and okay. you know, yeah, like yeah. this is all the stuff yeah. that's happening. So it's, I think there's something very conservative about this representational sort Mm -hmm. of. uh,
1: I notice it a lot in a lot of discussions where, to to me, it always seems like people are willfully ignorant of, you know, how present people of color were in the past. They they almost make it out like, oh, it's only been since the 80s that we've actually seen women of color in politics. And it's like, no, you've just not been looking at all of the contributions that have been made for hundreds and hundreds of years in North America, let's say, or anywhere really. And I mean, again, it, there's that caveat. It, I'm not saying it's a bad thing at all. But the way it tends to be framed, I always find that it ignores past activism and accomplishments that have been made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so when we discuss the waves of feminism, I always feel really strange talking about that, knowing of all the anarchist and communist activists at the turn of the century, many of whom were people of color. And we just pretend that, you know, intersectional feminism comes about in the 70s or 80s, as if up till that point, it was only white affluent women. So I again, I understand why we have these concepts, but I always just feel there's something missing with them. And that there is this lack of recognition for how history actually unfolds and what actually is happening
0: or even like okay like women in color who are involved in in politics right sometimes it's like we see it from the oh like kamala harris is a woman but Mm -hmm. like but actually where there are more probably women in politics are the people who are doing the work who are in part of like the sanders like like the like a lot of the support that's coming from like i think he's like by far the most popular candidate among um women of color and he's He's the one who's out there, you know, among some, young women. Among young women, mm-hmm. uh, but like even, uh, but he's the one who's out there. Let's say in, if you're supporting like certain strikes and in certain industries, yeah. which are like care industries, so these which are overwhelmingly born uh, by women. That's where women are also doing politics. Mm-hmm. Like that is that is is politics, as opposed to being like oh like the person who is going to like be the leader, or, like that's a woman in in yeah. politics, even though she has actually no, maybe no actual social basis coming from movements that are within these communities, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's, it's not like we we should be like, oh, like these things don't matter, but we should look at actually where are the politics coming from, right?
2: Well, I mean, the, these things, one of the things they do is they, they help distract us from the class origins of these people, Jagmeet, Became the leader of the NDP because he's from a well-to-do family, and like the fact that he he was from a minority community actually helped him. Yeah, know? yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't uh, something that stood in his way, you know. And I think this is something that's you you have to kind of to complicate this stuff about like well minorities have a really hard time getting involved in politics. I mean, yeah, but it depends on their their class. I mean, a lot of them do have a hard time and, you know, a lot of them face lots of hurdles. And once you get past a certain threshold, (laughs) like your minority status might be helpful. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I I feel like that is even revealed in where he talks about this feeling of belonging, like we should all feel like we belong. His list of those criteria that might make you not feel like you belong is your gender, your sexuality, uh, your race, or your parents or you not having a high enough income. And so he's already established middle or upper middle class income levels as being the norm. That's the one that you want to fit into. Mm-hmm. So if you're poor, that means that you don't belong, just like if you're a woman or you're LGBTQ plus or you're racialized. So for him, it's those things are things that make you feel or like you don't belong. But You'd, he doesn't do yeah. an analysis yeah. of any of those But we should change it so people feel,
0: feel like they belong.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: You, you shouldn't be discriminated against because of your low income. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah. You shouldn't be. And that, it even amounts sometimes to more you shouldn't be bullied for it. Yeah. And you should get a few like, you know, he could do like a free legal aid clinic for you or something. It's not even about tackling anything that would actually change things for people. It's more just mediating things so you don't feel attacked or too excluded.
2: Yeah, and just to, in here it might be a good spot to talk about Jigmeet's complete lack of understanding of class. There are two times in the book that the term working class is used. One of those times is when he says that, well, we moved to Windsor, which was a working class city, and you know and that's correct that's true it was a working class city and then the other place he uses it actually he uses it incorrectly he says that when he's talking about his mother's family he describes them as a working class farming family
0: <laughs>
2: yeah and it's like well they owned land they probably got other yeah. people to work the land for them you know i think
0: everyone i think they were given <laughs> land
2: well yeah I mean that's from his paternal uh, grandparents side where they yeah his paternal grandfather was a uh, in the oh, British, British army his mother's,
0: yeah. his mom's own land he farm No no here, no
2: no not no, in no farm in India he's yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. his mother's family in India and he's he he describes them as a working class work, fa- farming family and it's like well okay that's not what working class is actually And
0: he went to York that's just just <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah I think like the not only is the working the idea of like the working class missing, but it actually I think it's explicitly goes against the message because the message and this is part of liberal politics is the message of like we are all in this together. You know the we are you know we are all a we. We're as if we're a single community, right? Like no, actually, like we're not. Mm-hmm. Like you, the, to say that like the billionaires are a we together with the working class. Like the capitalists and the work class are now a we and we just have to all come together. You know, like this is what is, what a lot of liberal politics looks like, right? Like we just, you know, we have to rise above politics. We have to be, be like bipartisan. We actually, we're all in this together. Like, no, we're not in this together. We're actually like class enemies. Like this is, uh, and this is actually what, like the message that they're trying to send is against those kinds of politics, mm-hmm. right? Like they, they don't wanna play, they don't wanna speak to those kinds of politics. They would call those politics divisive. And this is what they say yeah. about, um, you know, Bernie Sanders or Corbyn, you're being divisive,
1: mm-hmm. right? And By that's why we have to class. support Pete Buttigieg.
0: Yeah, because like he's his, judge, yeah, trying to bring us together, right? And 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 th- this is part of like the liberal ideology is 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 that we are a single we, we are a, a community, uh, which would be like absurd. That's like saying the peasant and the lord mm-hmm. are like a. I mean, you know, like that's. Uh, I, I mean, at, mean, at least the of, peasant
1: yeah. and the lord understood yeah, yeah. their kind of, kind of the social
0: relations, right? Like, yeah, now we do that, that on yeah. the
1: estate, but yeah, but. Yeah. And yeah, and that's yeah. that's why he has to frame it as income, and he has to phrase it as this income that makes you feel a little bit different, not a class thing, not something that actually gives people disparate interests. It's just you don't make quite as enough, uh, as much money, and so you feel excluded. You, you feel then yeah. you you can't get the good yeah. shoes, yeah, yeah, the yeah. the cool shoes. And I mean, when he yeah. that first reference to the working class, I'm pretty sure right after that, it's when he goes on to say, you know, there was immigration from uh, Lebanon and Italy. And that's why Windsor has the best pizza. And when I went elsewhere, the pizza just wasn't as good. (laughs) I thought, you know, maybe I just have weird taste, but then I learned it was the best. So Windsor has good pizza, guys.
2: That's true. That's exactly what it is. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think it's, I, I, you know, and I, I haven't read Sanders's book, but honestly, we should read it and do a a discussion on it as a comparative. (laughs) I did come across some excerpts and I, put one in my in my notes here just to contrast Bernie's understanding of class and class conflict with, with Jug Meat's non-understanding of it. So Sanders, in an outsider in the White House, he says, "The great political crisis in American society is the quiescence of working people. The average American worker has come to accept that he or she has no power on the job. The company is moving the plant to Mexico. How can I stop it? The CEO earns 173 times more than the average worker. Who am I to contest management prerogatives? What authority do I have to challenge big capital? In our democracy, and democracy is in quotes, the vast majority of working people feel helpless, are helpless given the current political structure, to protect their economic interests or chart their future.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, Jagmeets would be in our great country of Canada, in our great democracy. The problem is that we, you know, people some people just don't feel included. They feel excluded and the challenge is to bring us all together. Yeah. yeah. That would be that would be something that you'd find. Like I'm I'm sure that sent that paragraph is probably mm-hmm. in that yeah. book somewhere like that, right? But I mean the the, the contrast between what you just read versus what we all had read from that book it's i mean it's um it's like very telling of mm. of the the differences in not only their politics but their entire way of, of going about politics like what they're even speaking about what they're talking about
2: yeah i mean and you can tell like
0: with jagmeet it's completely just completely vacuous mm-hmm. and i mean and the ndp like, i mean from what the NDP is very hostile to people from the sort of Sanders movement, or you know, to the Corbynites as well. Like, so when people talk about, you know, where is the the Sanders sort of Corbyn moment in the NDP? Like, there's a immense hostility to it. And so, with someone I remember someone had said like, oh, like where is um, you know where is the NDP's AOC? And it's like, you know what? She wouldn't have made it past the. First, <laughs> this like this like she would have submitted her application and it would have been like no, she would have are, got a call back. You are cat. There's no way she could have even won a riding, riding association and the party central party would have just been like no, mm-hmm. like that's not it's not gonna happen.
2: Well, but I mean, just to say that I do think there are some very good activists, very good organizers within the NDP's ranks. Of course, yeah. Even, yeah. even people mm-hmm. who are in elected office. But there is something about the structure of the NDP where, unlike in the Democratic Party in the US, where there is now something of an open contest between, you know, the squad and the Democratic establishment. Uh, the way that the NDP works, like these people are allowed to be who they are. They're not allowed to go all out, but, you know, there's they're given quite a bit of room. And yet it doesn't Yeah, it's almost like the structure allows for a bit more room without open conflict.
0: In the Democratic Party or... In
2: the new Democratic Party. Yeah, in the the, the the NDP. In the the NDP. But what am I trying to say? Like, the, the resolution is that, you know, the leadership of the party and the direction of the party as a whole isn't really influenced by these people. Mm-hmm. And in fact, these people are sort of used as a means to sort of say, well, look, there are people in the party that are left. Mickey Ashton. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Ashton. Yeah. Or these kinds of people who are committed left-wing yeah. people, socialists. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're sort of used as, oh look, the, the NDP does have radical creds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I know
1: yeah. of and I know through meeting in different ridings across Canada. A lot of far more radical people who are in the NDP. Yeah, but yeah, it it doesn't amount yeah, to anything. Yeah.
0: Like at the, like at like the activist level, right? like mm-hmm. there are tons of like good people. Yeah. within the NDP, and, and like the thing is, one of the reasons why it doesn't amount, you know, to anything is the NDP knows that it can suck up the energy of these people, and even though it goes nowhere, a lot of people feel like they have nowhere else. Like where else mm-hmm. are you gonna go? Right? That's the um, thing.
1: Are you going to try and do some sort of more fringe party in Canada? That's you know gonna have two representatives in one local area and, you know, nothing's going to come of it? Or do you kind of take the position where you figure, even though they're further right than I am, I'll go for the larger party, the party that has a national standing, and I'll just try my best in that position. And then you give all your work away to this organization where, eh, what was the achievement?
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah, well, you know, on the Corbin effect, I, I do think that one thing that came out of that experience in the UK and all of the allegations of uh, anti-Semitism within the Labour Party and Corbin putting up with it and even encouraging yeah. it. Well, one of the outcomes of this, it seems, is that the NDP and Jagmeet specifically has adopted this sort of posture to say, "Well, the NDP isn't like that," and and they, you know, and I, I think some of our listeners will know that. Jagmeet attended or took part of an event that was organized by the Center for Israel and Jewish Affairs (CJA) in in Toronto, and uh, it, it's the it's available in the po- in podcast form. I guess it's the CJA podcast. You can check it out on their website. I listened to all of it today. I, I'd listened to part of it earlier, and it was quite disappointing because you know Jagmeet sort of comes out as very anti BDS, the the boycott divestment sanctions movement. And quite hostile to those seeking to push for rights for the Palestinians. Very pro-Israel. Yeah, I don't know. Did you guys have a chance to listen to that?
1: I'm all? afraid yeah. not. No, but just I read some I did quotes. see where, um, I don't know if it was within that or elsewhere. jugme said that he was in favor of the definition of anti-Semitism put out by the...
2: The IHRA, the uh, yeah, International yeah, Holocaust Remembrance Association. I've
1: seen many different Jewish organizations actually decry because there is a clause in it that can be interpreted as criticism of Israel yeah. um, becomes yeah. anti-Semitic, and they are very wary of that. Um,
2: well, to to but, his to yeah. his credit, he doesn't. During that discussion, th- that does come up, and you know, one of the audience members says, "Well, why don't you and the NDP adopt this as the definition for anti-Semitism?" And he sort of gives he gives quite a a lot to this person and says, "Well, yeah, I do think that that's a it's a good educational. It can be used for like educational purposes. It's a good definition for that." But then he steps back and says the only hesitance I would have is that, you know, there's areas where this might be deemed as like, if you criticize Israel, then it's, then, okay. it, then it could be yeah. deemed as anti-Semitic and that you don't necessarily, and then, you know, it's like a fine line. And so there there is that, but honestly, like, okay, so if you, since you guys haven't had a chance to listen, let me let me just sort of see if I can give a brief description of some of what Jagmeet said. Um, so apparently he went on a trip to Israel that was sponsored by Sija. I mean it's not really explained he kind of just mentioned it quickly and there you know he then he talks about it he says you know he's very happy to see the nation building project that was underway yeah. there like that was that's how he <laughs> described that's how he described <laughs> um, it and yeah. you know it's like it's, like, it's yeah. a nation building project yeah. that's like systematically seeking to undo the idea that Palestinians have
0: it's specifically the uh, nation building <laughs> process which is the problem yeah. actually mm-hmm. is, right like the
2: yeah uh, so that was a bit strange, and um, yeah. And then he he comes out really strongly against BDS. Yeah. Um, he says it has no place in the NDP. You know, as a leader of the NDP, I don't think this is yeah. this is the kind of thing that will bring people together. It has no place in the party. Uh, we really need it to makes just...
1: people feel like they don't belong.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, well, yeah exactly. Yeah. 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 And and you know, and and, and I think pr- most troublingly, he he sort of goes out of his way. To insinuate that those who are advocating for the rights of the Palestinians are are often, if not always, or at least sometimes, they're just closeted anti-Semites. Yeah, yeah. Like that's that you know, you can sort of take that from what he says because apparently, you know, as he claims, he says like these people are just like single-minded in their focus on Israel's human rights record, right? And this is the kind of familiar- Yeah, we obviously mm, hear it all the time. Yeah. It's the standard kind of- like Zionist refrain of yeah, like, yeah. oh, why are you just focusing on Israel? It's as if like, if you know if you were taking up advocacy on behalf of indigenous rights in Canada, it's like, whoa, why are you just focusing on Canada's record? Yeah. Well, <laughs> in this particular case, that's what the issue is. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I was oh, yeah.
0: really. I was like, re- why do you find this surprising, though? This, this has been a standard NDP. Like they've been, especially since Small Care, but even before, like they have really been clamping down on the Palestinian kind of um, anything that's pro-Palestine. And this actually seems to be where one of on, like the biggest divisions among like sort of like the left of the the actual left of the NDP and and you know like say like the um, centrist and like the sort of the rightest elements of the NDP and, and they're the ones who are in control of the party. Mm-hmm. And so even in this, in going leading up to this last election, NDP wasn't even, didn't even have candidates to run in some of these writings. like, you know, right up, basically right up until the election. Mm -hmm. And some of these places had, like, had had very good candidates who had, you know, won their writing association, and they were just, if they had said anything that could be interpreted as basically like supporting Palestine or criticizing Israel, they were immediately dropped. So, like, this has been, like, the clampdown on Palestinian issues within the NDP have been going on for a long time, and, and it seemed like at first you know Jagmeet was seemed to be saying you know he might be more sympathetic to elements of it but ever since he's been like you know that obviously hasn't um translated anything right and so but i mean he, like this is the thing he'll he'll still say oh but i also support the palestinians like you know in like a sort of this like
1: yeah always always way. the also that doesn't have any tangible yeah, yeah, anything yeah, behind yeah.
0: it it's like when you say like oh i support like or i i, I see i see both sides right i support both sides but it's like Okay, there's no like middle ground between like the colonial <laughs> power and the co- like the colonized but but like that's so in in terms of actual practice they have continued to you know continuing the long line of their very very strong pro-israel um position
2: but okay so in this the thing is i if you guys get a chance like do listen because mm-hmm. there is i think a a distancing from like you know in the past jagmeet certainly, and, I don't know about the entire history of the NDP and its uh, its engagement with this issue, but you know it does seem like a bit at a bit of a remove of like really throwing people under the bus. And just as an example of how it's different, I mean, during the two thousand nineteen uh, federal election campaign, you know, one of the things that that came out as a clarification of the NDP's position on the question of Palestine was a questionnaire that Jagmeet's office I think or at least officially the NDP filled out that that the Canadian the the Canada Palestine Association put yeah, together yeah. this this questionnaire and you know it was like one of the questions is do you support Palestinian human and national rights including the inalienable right to self-determination and the response by the NDP is yes we are committed to the protection of Palestinian human rights including the inalienable right of self-determination um, and then the next question is, do you oppose Israeli ethnic cleansing, war crimes, and apartheid? And the the response to this, you know, isn't the kind of response that Jagmeet gave in this discussion, where he would have been like, oh, well, should we really be Use talking order, yeah, about yeah, apartheid yeah, yeah. or war crimes and ethnic cleansing? This is the response. We oppose all human rights abuses committed by Israel, including killings, arbitrary and abusive detention, Forced displacement, restrictions on movement, the expansion of illegal settlements, and all other human rights abuses. That's it. That's yep. the entire answer. Yeah. It's not it's just surprising, I guess. From, yeah. yeah, it's not like oh, but Hamas also does horrible oh, yeah. things. <laughs> <you> <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah. So
0: that's what I mean. It's like there is this, you know. Since this, the election has been yeah. a reversion back to the previous NDP's position, where there they like for a while maybe it seemed like there was. Some kind of openness now towards the Palestine issue, and you're saying like that since the election or since the, the the maybe the UK election that is also like closed, like the the sort of the pro-Israel elements within the NDP have like maybe what, like retaken kind of the line I, on Palestine. I, I guess so. I,
2: I guess so. I mean I don't know. I assume like it has something to do with Corbyn, you know, and the battering he took over this issue. But yeah, it is it is it does seem to me to be a a change in, in outlook. Yeah. And it's especially, I mean, and I do want to, I, I know Remy, you're saying I shouldn't be surprised and maybe I shouldn't be because usually I'm such a cynic. <laughs> um, but here, like, I mean, if, if you see Jagmeet Singh's sole political experience as someone who campaigned for the recognition of the oppression faced by his, his own ethnic community, you would think he would also be sympathetic to the ongoing suffering of the palestinians but
0: uh, but i mean that doesn't
2: yeah yeah
0: i mean like and when, he, when you look at the definite when he was trying to give that definition of genocide you know he had mm-hmm. mentioned that you know the absolute number of deaths don't matter it's about like the the role of the state and the structure like the attempt to erase the you know like so the things that he was highlighting we could v- obviously very um you know easily uh, interpret the uh, this current situation that way. And I think, but this shows, you know, like as an individual, he like in his personal beliefs, he probably is actually more sympathetic to the mm-hmm. Palestinian position. And maybe before leading up to the election, maybe he was more willing and able to express that, or maybe they didn't think about it, that, like that, that you know, they just agreed to this uh, petition. Uh, but maybe now that maybe his, his own position in the party is more under stress, like maybe there are, you know, the, the from like the activist wing of the party, which seems to be more pro-Palestine, versus like the sort of the entrenched uh sort of party elites, which are very pro-Israel, you know, maybe like those like those elements, like the latter elements are now more firmly in, in control of um of the party. Whereas maybe, you know, when he was leading up to his campaign, him and his the, the activists, certain activist elements were able to sort of um express themselves more.
2: Yeah, that's so They only won 24 seats. Yeah. So I'm sure that doesn't help his position.
0: (laughs) No, no, no. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh. I mean, I will say I know a lot of voters who tend to vote conservative who were uttering the last Democratic race that uh, Bernie would have won. And they were all for Bernie Sanders, but they would not support a party like the NDP. And I think there's many, many reasons behind that. But one is the NDP feels distant and not of the same class as them so
2: yeah it seems contrived like it's like the whole posture is contrived just like everything in in Meat's book yeah mostly yeah most things most things
0: thanks for tuning into the oats for breakfast podcast
1: Let us know what you thought of our discussion by writing to contact at OatsPodcast.com.
0: And
2: remember that you can support the production of this podcast by going to Patreon.com forward slash Oats for breakfast and becoming a patron.
0: See you again next time.